0: Hello and welcome, you're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. and welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life. So today with me I have Frances Dixon who's going to tell me all about her journey and her businesses Um, and we were just saying just before we um, started record that we feel like we've kind of known each other via social media but we've never actually spoken or actually seen each other so it's quite nice to actually meet you. So hi Frances, how are you doing? Yes, hello, thank you very much for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. So (laughs) would you mind um, introducing yourself and telling everyone what
1: you do? Yeah. Hi, Um, I'm Fran. (laughs) Um, I'm based in Leeds, so I'm a Yorkshire. Um, What do I do? Well, this is where things get uh, not blurred lines, I guess is hard. but, (laughs) But I'm basically a, what do we call them? A what's the word for a single entrepreneur it feels weird to call myself an entrepreneur yeah (laughs) yeah so in summary I'm a one woman band if you like um but I am a qualified equine psychologist and I'm also a certified NLP practitioner Um, so my business is Francis Dixon independent equine consultancy. So I'm an equine consultant basically. Um, but on the flip side of that, you might have also seen, which is what I'm kind of here to sort of chat with you a little bit more about is the poor horse girl, which is sort of like a different persona, but just a different avenue. Um, so yeah, that's me. I specialize in groundwork training and behavioral training for the horse and confidence coaching for the rider. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my summary, I guess, if you like amongst many the
0: things that I do wow that sounds like amazing and why not have lots of fingers and lots of different pies it makes every day different doesn't it
1: yeah, exactly. And I think that's it for me. I love the variety. So although, you know, there's things specifically that I want to do and things that I would call work, like I'm very much a bit of a jack of all trades. Um, and I just like to be yeah, a little bit challenged in different things. So I also do bits of like copywriting or like I, you know, I would class myself as like a bit of a writer. So I've done like guest articles and guest blog posts and things like that as well um but yeah predominantly I like to be kind of hands-on working with horses and yeah just helping them live a bit more of a happy life I guess (laughs) (laughs) and um like when you were younger did you always want
0: to work with horses and if so like how did you know what direction you wanted to work in
1: Yeah so that's a funny one really. Um, So when I was younger I mean I got my first pony Franny when I was 11 Um, and there's a funny story behind that because my dad said he woke up in the middle of the night once like in a cold sweat thinking oh shit we own a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah so I started riding when I was probably about like eight or nine maybe and then yeah I got my first pony. So I've always had horses in my life but I don't come from a horsey family or anything like that. Um, But yeah so did I always want to work with horses? I don't know, really. Um, I have a bit of a joke that COVID was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me, oh, yeah. because it suddenly gave me this sort of time and space to actually sit there and kind of just think, you know, what, what do I actually want to do with my life? Um, because, and I think it's the same for a lot of people, and this is something, again, that I'm quite passionate about, you know, a lot of people have the you know you go to school and then you maybe i don't know go to high school get some GCSEs maybe some A levels maybe go to uni like i did to get a degree and then you just go to work you just find a job um and there'd be many a times that i'd be so i worked originally my first job was as like a waitress um which i think i think we've all been a waitress and then yeah, a yeah yeah exactly definitely what <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i worked as a waitress to begin with when i was i think i got my first job maybe when i was like 17 um and then I actually went to work in retail um so I worked in retail I started off as a sales assistant and then gradually worked my way up to assistant manager um but I just I didn't like it I knew this wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life so I actually then went to a complete change I needed a complete change I went to pack sweets in a sweet factory (laughs) (laughs) um but again like we sort of talked about you know I like variety and I have a bit of a, you know, I like to have my finger on every button, if you like. I ended up actually working in the office a bit more and I kind of gradually worked my way around all the different departments and eventually again ended up in like sales and customer service, office based sales and customer service. But... I just wasn't happy there would be many occasions I would be driving home from work um you know maybe like on the phone to my dad on my way home and I'd I'd be crying I would just be sat there thinking there has got to be more to life than this like I had you know my horses I couldn't I had three horses at one point so I had franny my first pony that i obviously got years ago she had a couple of loaners i had my x-ray horse maz who's quite significant in my journey but we'll probably go on to that and i had nutmeg so i had three horses all on diy but i just felt like i was working all the time to you know a full-time job as is quite normal for people i was working and i was you know making this money to pay for my horses but I just wasn't getting time to actually enjoy them. I was exhausted. I was stressed. Like my hair was falling out. I had really bad eczema. You know, looking back, I can see just what a bad place I was in. Mm. But that's normal for everybody. You know, for a lot of people, that is the normal story. You get your yeah. education and then you go to work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'd yeah. just
1: be driving home thinking there's got to be more to life than this. So then when COVID happened, I had a bit more time and space to, you know, just sit there and consider the possibilities, really. Um And, you know, when I was at the stables, like, people would sort of come up to me, like, my friends or just some people at the yard would come to me and, you know, ask, ask me questions or ask me about their horse or, you know, I think because I have, like, an equine degree, so my degree is in equine sports performance, I've got quite a good, you know... Basis of education in, you know, like anatomy and physiology. I'm a bit of like a biology nerd. At heart. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so people would come and ask me questions about things or injuries or rehabs and blah, blah, blah. And like, I would never pretend to be any sort of expert in it, but I have more knowledge than I guess your average torso owner might. Yeah. So people would come and ask me questions. And also, you know, my X racer was a bit of a typical X racer there So she was a little bit tricky. But again, I think people would come to me and you know they would see I'm a confident rider perhaps and maybe yeah. a bit of that for themselves so they'd ask me to teach them and I was just kind of like oh you know I, I wonder if people would pay me for this <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah that's kind of how it all started when Covid happened I had all of this time and space on my hands so I actually you know got a couple of new qualifications built a website started posting a bit more on social media and up until you know what are we now two years later it's just been kind of growing and building from there so I wouldn't say I always wanted to work with horses. I always thought they were an expensive hobby that needed a well-paid job to pay for them. Yeah, But actually, I think the time came for me to break the mould a little bit. And I was just ready to make my own money, I guess.
0: yeah and um, you like your story is very similar to mine like I was I worked in like you say I was a waitress I worked everybody's, doing, out.
1: everybody's doing it haven't they everybody's waiting yeah. the tables and sold things <laughs> yeah that's
0: it and then very similar to you I had a bit of a, like a epiphany and I was just like what am I doing and this is this what I want to do for the rest of my life and what's my passions and b- very very similar to you realised that mm-hmm. like, you know I wanted to work with horses and stuff like that so um it, it it's it uh, part of it's like, I really wish I sort of knew what I do now back when I was younger. But then I think effort happens yeah. for a reason. I've got lots of different experiences that help me now. So, and it'll mould you, doesn't it? All the life experiences yeah,
1: that you have. So like, that... For me, yeah, so for me, I didn't, I, I always joke that I never wanted to be a riding instructor. I always wanted to work with horses because horses listen and people don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I know that sounds silly. Another nothing to any of my clients they're wonderful and I actually really love teaching now as it happens you know it's really rewarding and fulfilling you know finishing a lesson and the horse and rider has got a lovely smile on their face and I actually really love that um but yeah like what you were saying about you know the you kind of wish you'd maybe known it sooner but I think like you said everything happens for a reason and Mm. you know doing what I do now having the communication skills from customer service and speaking to people you know it helps me build yeah. relationships and have that genuine connection with people and as an entrepreneur self-employed or freelance like you have to make your own money so from the sales side of things I wouldn't call myself a salesperson no but I have the knowledge of you know understanding how you know the accounting side of it works and you know making money and keeping on track of the numbers and understanding where it's coming from and all of that which mm. is where the poor horse girl side of things kind of comes into it a bit more
0: yeah so did you want
1: to talk about that a bit more so how what
0: is yeah. <laughs> we we've we're gonna be covering so much today. So let's start there What what yeah what, so, okay. what is it?
1: So, so during it? so during COVID was when I started my consultancy, echoing consultancy, you know, sort of side of things, I guess. But with that came an a a better understanding of just my own money and knowing where that was coming from. And my I was able to Get a bit of guidance and again just start thinking about things a little bit differently. And I really changed my money habits. Again, I think like a lot of people, I would finish the end of the month, the week before payday, I'd have like three quid in my bank account and just feel totally skimmed. And I always used to joke that I'd quite like a mid-month payday. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it was just it was just normal. Like that was it, that was your salary. You got it every month, and then that was that. And you spent it all on, I don't know, clothes from places or some new shoes or whatever. And I just have nothing left. And I just decided that was not what I wanted for myself anymore. I didn't want to see zero in my bank. I've never been in an overdraft. I never had an overdraft. I was never in debt, but I never felt abundant either. I never felt financially abundant. So I made a point of just starting to save. I say save. Keep in my account, like, just 50 quid every month. So every month I'd add on another 50 quid. So the first month I tried to have 50 quid left in my account then the next month I tried to have 100 quid left in my account, then 150, and I just tried to build it up from there with the intention of, like, at the end of a year, I'd have about 600 quid. It kind of ended up at about 300 and seems to have sort of stayed there. But my point is that my financial habits changed. My money mm. habits changed. And from... I, I don't have, like, a sob story or anything, and I feel like that almost makes me feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes, but I'm going to I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm very much like a... know I get called posh all the time like I'm not I'm not posh I'm just well spoken like I still shovel my own horse's shit like (laughs) (laughs) um but I come from what I would say is like I I recognize I come from a very privileged and very lucky place so I would say you know my family's kind of middle to upper class like you know we had a nice you know two-bed semi with you know a front and a back garden in a suburb of Leeds when I was growing up you know my mum and dad still worked full time like we had two cars in the house, but they weren't like Lamborghinis or Ferraris. You know, we didn't no. have a mansion or anything. Yeah. So although we were fairly affluent as a family, we weren't like what I would class as like really rich, really wealthy. like that no. sense. Yeah. But yeah. I'm only a child as well. So I spent, you know, a lot of, I think it became more present, I guess, when I went to high school of how kind of privileged and posh maybe I was. Um, Because I'd never seen myself that way. Mm. So I spent a lot of my teenage years, I guess, kind of trying to break a stigma and probably into my early 20s that I was, you know, this spoiled brat, only child that got everything handed to her on a silver platter. And, you know, my family are extremely generous. And when I've had, you know, they're really supportive of everything that I do, which is lovely. And I totally understand that that's a privilege in itself. Not everybody has that. Mm. Um, But at the same time, you know, I still worked. Like when I was at uni, I had three different jobs you know I've paid for my horses I pay for my car like I still earn my own money and I do not actively try to take handouts from my family but what I'm saying is if I ever really needed it I know that they would willingly help me but I try to avoid that yeah because I feel like that is living up to that spoiled brat stigma you know that I've worked so hard to kind of try and get away from I guess yeah so having this better like understanding of my money and starting better savings habits and things like that it came from you know I would had this quite privileged upbringing which was a blessing but It was also a bit of a curse. Like there was a bit of a time when I, you know, was potentially looking to have to move out and I just wasn't financially ready. I had no credit score. I didn't even know what credit score was. Like I didn't understand how bills worked. I didn't even know about council tax. Like Mm -hmm. I had literally no idea of just the cost of life. Yeah. And that's nothing to do with like my parents or my family. Like they kind of protected me from all of that without really realizing. Yeah. So I just didn't know about any of this. I don't know about investing. Anything, like I just didn't understand I understood like savings and mm. I didn't really have any but I just didn't yeah. understand so when I started having a bit more knowledge or having to pay a bit more attention to my own income I guess I was like Do you know I I people I want people to know this you know I want to tell younger people about you know if you start investing now you'll have loads of money when you're older like yeah if you start these good habits now you don't have to buy loads of clothes every month or spend your money on new saddle pads and things you can if you want yeah <laughs> you'll look back at all of this stuff and just think all of this used to be money so I think for me it was very much like I want to try and share this knowledge newfound knowledge I guess to try and give people that might have been driving home from work like I was in tears
0: mm.
1: and sort of maybe just inspire them to think like a bit differently you know you you can't no, maybe nobody's ever told you that you could be self-employed mm. maybe nobody's ever told you that you can actually make money for yourself you don't have to make it for someone else maybe nobody's yeah. ever told you about any of these things so that's yeah. where I wanted to kind of spread a bit more of that knowledge but that's very I- separate to, like my consultancy side of things so that's why I have the two sort of different platforms I guess.
0: Yeah. And I really agree and I really think it should be um taught in schools. I feel like there should be like oh, I agree. I like like almost like a life class as part of the yeah just what is like, life skills? Skills. Like, how do I pay a
1: direct debit what yeah. is the direct debit
0: <laughs> yeah just like every like everyday adult things that no one teaches you and you have to find out yeah. for yourself later on um like when people you know turn 18 and they get the first credit card or things like that and they're like sweet I've got all this money and you, It's not the realisation that you actually have to pay it back and you have interest on top of that, et cetera, et cetera. And as an 18-year-old, you don't don't understand what that is. And that's how people probably do get in debt because they just
1: get the credit card, spend it, and then realise, oh, actually, I can't afford to pay it back. And I've had these conversations with my dad, hashtag top horse dad. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I've had these conversations with him and he said, you know, but at that age, you just wouldn't have been receptive to it. And I was like, well, maybe I wouldn't have been, but maybe it would have just sparked something
0: yeah
1: maybe you know I'm not saying that I wouldn't have gone into the world of work and I would have straight away like you said gone self-employed and doing what I'm doing now no. but even just having a bit more awareness yeah might have made me feel like I'm 29 now I'm turning 30 next year and I feel like I'm still living like an 18 year old in some ways because I don't yeah. feel financially well I, feel. I guess I mean yeah you know I'm not like in poverty obviously no <laughs> but it took me all of this time to start forming better I don't know spending habits money financial habits in general because I just yeah. wasn't really I didn't really think about it no
0: no I'm exactly the same so what are your what's your um habits that you've changed that you felt have really benefited you Also, you've mentioned about like the 50 pounds at the end of the month so how do, yeah just what changes that did you have also. to
1: do to do that yeah, and I suppose this was a big thing when I took the plunge to properly go self-employed and leave like corporate life. Um, I did, a, made sure that I had a couple of steps in, in place before I did that. So for example, I built up a very good credit score. So the, if for anyone that doesn't know, a credit score is like how... Um, Like, let's say a bank or somebody that might loan you amount of money judges your financial wellness and whether they're going to offer you money or not, and you're going to be able to pay it back. So that's essentially what a credit score is. So if you've got a good credit score or an excellent, there's different levels to it. But if you've got a really high credit score, you're more likely to get accepted for higher loans with less interest. But you don't know it was a slap in the face when i went to maybe try and move out and realize i didn't even have a credit score i'd have no chance of getting a mortgage because i had no credit history so yeah. credit history comes from like direct debits coming out of your account and um, maybe like your phone bill my phone my parents still paid for my phone contract because they just they just did so you know even having direct debits coming out of your account can help build your credit score and um, length of time at your address there's loads of different factors that come into it so building my credit score was something that i actively tried to build from the ages of sort of like early on in my 20s up to kind of like definitely now um but what that meant is that I could then have a bit of security I guess when I went self-employed so for example I could get a higher limit on a credit card which I could maybe use as like an emergency fund if everything went tits up one way or another Mm. so that was something that was a big part of it but one thing that I'm really really I don't know if, like, passionate is about the right word, but it just excites me. It's something called sinking funds. So, have you ever heard of a sinking fund? No, what is that? Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, a sinking fund is literally, it's like a mini savings pot, I guess. So, for example, not an ad, I use Monzo. So, you can split, like, your kind of money into different, almost, like, saving pots. So, for example, one that I have and that I've talked about before is one for my horse box N.O.T. So... When I was younger, and silly, I spent a load of money on a horse box, which has been brilliant, best investment ever, love it, but it costs at least a £1,000 a year to go through its MOT, because it's an old vehicle, it's a seven and a half ton, it's not just like a little vehicle, so every year I'd get this big bill from the mechanics and be like, shit, where am I going to get this money from, it would have to come out of my savings. And then I'd feel stressed financially because I suddenly had this huge chunk of money go for my savings. I was like, oh my God, this is going to take forever to build up. So a bit like the £50 a month thing, whenever I got paid, I put, let's say this was when I was still working in corporate really, I would put a chunk of that in this pot specifically for my horse box. Mm. So then next year, the year after, I had that money already set aside. So I didn't feel like I was losing anything. And you can do this for everything. You know, people do it for like holidays, maybe, or saving up for a deposit on a car, um, buying a new saddle, which is what I've done recently again as well. But my point is, if you you have these funds and you're allocating your money to these things over time, so you just put Mm. small amounts in over time, you'd be surprised how quickly it builds up. And then you might not notice it and you might feel quite skin like in the moment. But the next year, like I say, like your future self will thank you for it. Yeah. Because it's already accounted for. And then you're not having to take out of your savings, for example. So thinking yeah. funds were a game changer for me. Massive game changer for me. Great. That's a great tip.
0: And is there anything yeah. else, like, everyday, like, sort of, is there any, like, day-to-day life tips that you could um, give us that you've sort of maybe yeah. made
1: changes think... or, or not? Well, I think, like, you know, we're coming into this. I know everyone talks about, it, like, this financial crisis and whatever. But... I think to put a little bit more of a positive spin on it like now could be a good time to really like try and like have some better spending habits so for mm. example i as a general rule don't buy new clothes anymore i've yeah. got a wardrobe full of stuff i don't need the latest drop of this season's whatever so I'm a little bit more disciplined with things like that. One of my New Year's resolutions was to not buy anything for a year, like fast fashion. Yeah. So like I occasionally buy like riding clothes or whatever, but that's my job now. Like, you know, I, I live in them like every yeah. day. So I don't mind spending a bit of money Is on them. It's a uniform, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So things like that, just like spending habits, you know, I track my finance. I, I created my very own little crude financial spreadsheet. So I know exactly what's going in, exactly what's coming out. It was a big change for me going from you know like a monthly salary like a payday every month to working like invoice to invoice
0: yeah so
1: you know I could feel like I've got no money in the bank but then at the same time I might have like a thousand pound invoice waiting to be paid yeah so that was an interesting you know change for me but at the same time because I'd implemented these better spending habits the other thing I do as well and you know it's personal to everyone but I actually stagger my bills throughout the month so my direct debits so Mm. especially now like because I don't have a payday yeah I have you know money coming in maybe like every week let's say yeah I know that I just have to account for the bills for the next week or whatever you know I'm not necessarily having money in my account thinking oh it's payday great let's get a takeaway let's fill my car with petrol let's go out for a night out and suddenly all this money's gone and then you're like oh god now I've got to find I forgot I had bills to pay almost. Yeah. Um, you know, that actually works better for me, but that will depend on everyone. Some people that have a set income every month set their bills for maybe like, I don't know, the week after or the day after. They know that they get paid so that everything is then gone and then they yeah. know how much they've got left. That's totally dependent on you. Um, another random thing that I do, like I'm the most well, I say the most organized person, I don't know about organized, but like my calendar in my phone is my Bible. (laughs) I'd be lost without that. I try and write things down on paper as well, just in case one fails, but my phone is my Bible. And I actually have all my direct debits and the dates they come out in my calendar. So again, I know exactly what's coming out when, um, you know, people take the weekend or bank holidays or whatever. I have it recorded there. So I, I just don't understand people that say, you know, they have an unexpected bill like that's ridiculous like you know you pay for stuff every month you know exactly what you pay for every month yeah because it happens every month that's just silly but you could then include in that on the flip side of that is your sinking funds that maybe might be unexpected bills but like things like I don't know your car MOT you know you need that every year Mm. put some money aside for it don't just wait till Christmas to then think oh shit I need some money to buy Christmas presents I started doing a little savings thing where I just put five pounds a week into one of my little pots so then at the end of the year for Christmas that's you know 52 weeks of five (laughs) pounds
0: yeah yeah and then
1: that's my Christmas fund so this is what I meant about sinking funds being a real game changer for me although my bills come out every month and I know exactly when they come out and they're staggered yeah I can then also allocate a little bit of money to other things as well so yeah just a few little things and it doesn't have to be groundbreaking you don't suddenly have to I don't know have two thousand pounds in an emergency fund I didn't suddenly have that I grew it it took time yeah you know these things don't happen overnight but you have to make a start and it won't feel like you're getting anywhere but if you can keep up those habits as I said before your future self will thank you for it
0: yeah no, that t- makes total sense, and I'm sure, like, if instead of going to Costa and spending, I don't know, three fifty four pounds on a coffee or whatever, mm-hmm. if you just transferred that to a savings account and had a coffee at home, then... yeah. But on the
1: flip side of that, so another thing, another thing that I do is I have a fun fund. So, well, if I have the money every day I put between one and three pounds into another pot and that's my fun money so if you do want yeah. your fancy coffee and you've got yeah. money in your fun fund, you can have it yeah. like you don't yeah. I'm very much one of those people that I still want to live my life yeah you know you are allowed to have and enjoy your money you are allowed yeah. to have nice things if you want them yeah and I'm not for living in you know <laughs> Complete frugality and never living life. Yeah, <laughs>
0: There's yeah. There's an American no.
1: term that's quite um popular in America. It's called the fire number. um I think it stands for. It's something about retiring early. Oh God, I can't remember what it stands for now. First. Oh, I'm gonna have to let me Google it. It's First invest and retire early, or something. That could that could be it. Yeah, something like that. But the idea is that you spend maybe like. 10 years really grafting and living really frugally and putting everything into savings and investments and whatever so then eventually at the end of that period the interest you earn on that massive amount of money Mm. then actually is almost like a monthly salary yeah but on the flip side of that like I still want to experience things in the now I still want to be able to go out with my friends if I want I still want to be able to you know buy something for nutmeg if I feel like it yeah so it's just getting that balance get isn't it? if you want yeah <laughs> or you can just factor it into a budget put it in a yeah. fund yeah yeah it's about balance isn't
0: it it's all about balance and making sure you've got the right balance and um with your consultancy job can you tell us more about that like what does what what, what like yeah. specifically what does that involve and what's your like typical client and things
1: yeah so it was kind of something that I guess I not fell into but it just seemed to come naturally to me, I guess. So, my, I talked a little bit about her. My ex racer was, you know, a tricky mare, like she would have been passed off as a problem horse by many. Um, but I just spent the, well, what was it in the end? Eight years roughly, trying to find or some level of communication between us, just some understanding between us that we could have some form of harmony and actually enjoy our partnership. And it took a long time, but I felt like we got there in the end. And that was what I wanted to offer people, I guess, like just to try and build that happy, healthy, harmonious relationship with their horse. So because of my understanding of like, what I did during my studies during my degree and just my general experience of many, many different horses over the years, I felt helped with that um and as it turned out i was quite good at it like i'm quite good at understanding horses and reading their body language anyway yeah, um yeah. but then on the flip side of that was the humans you know <laughs> the riders like it is two sides of a coin so as yeah. much as i said that i never wanted to teach people actually it turns out i'm i seem to be quite good at it yeah. and it does make me really, really happy like being able to give someone a little bit of confidence back you know they come to me and they say they've lost their confidence and i I want them to enjoy their rides with their horse and be happy and enjoy these things. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was when I actually did the NLP qualification. So that stands for neuro linguistic programming, uh, and I actually like to think of that as like the way that your inner voice like speaks to your inner self. So you yeah. can be your world's best cheerleader, the biggest cheerleader, or you can be your own worst enemy. Like we all have that little negative Nancy. No qualms to Nancy. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. a little grumbling sat on your shoulder. <laughs> Um, And actually, I think that is why I was a confident rider, if you like. I didn't realise NLP was a thing. It was just something I'd kind of almost always done without even (laughs) realising. So again, I wanted to be able to help people in that respect as well, just so that they can enjoy their time with their horses. Because if you have a happy horse, you have a happy rider. And if you have a happy, understanding, knowledgeable human, your horse is probably going to live a more harmonious, healthy, happy life as well. And it's the horse is actually at the forefront of it. Like what I eventually want is to have, you know, like a state of the art yard, like a track livery with horse welfare, first of mind, you know, front of mind. But the reason that I want that is so that, you know, this poor horse girl that hopefully becomes wealthy (laughs) (laughs) gives back. It feels like I'm giving something back and having a positive impact on these horses lives. So that if I ever came across a horse or somebody wanted me to help a horse in need, i could yeah so that's the i the kind of long-term goal i guess is to you know make enough money and have enough income whilst enjoying it and helping horses and humans along the way anyway that i can eventually have a state-of-the-art facility you know purpose-built facility to be able to help horses like maz like my ex-racer you know if they were having a tough time yeah oh i love that absolutely love that
0: (laughs) And whilst we're sort of um, starting to round up the episode, I sort of offer this space to um, anyone who wants to, if you want to talk about something that you haven't discussed yet, or if you want to have a promotion that you wanted to talk about, then this is like your open space to talk about whatever you like. Ooh, that's a tricky one.
1: (laughs) Anything that I want to talk about? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly good at like selling myself and I'm not going to kind of do that. But like, if you guys are interested in working with me, obviously feel free to kind of get in touch like by my website or the socials. I'll plug them at the end, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I say, for me, it's just about spreading a message and a message of like, you know, think expansively. The life you're living now doesn't have to be the life you're living forever if you don't want it to be. Like you get to make decisions about what happens to you you are the one that gets to decide how you live your life and what you value and what you want to do and you get to live life how you want like it gets to be easy it gets to be stress-free yeah okay I'm a little bit stressed you know I always think about money and stuff like that but I am so much happier now having made those changes and I didn't see that light at the end of the tunnel I guess if you like I didn't know that I was going to end up here a bit like what you said you know I didn't know this was how I was going to be I don't know working when I was older but now I'm doing it I'm really glad that I took that step and took that plunge and something that I always say a little phrase that I always have is you didn't come this far to only come this far
0: you know I didn't
1: make all these changes and take all these steps to only get to here like I have a plan I have a vision and I want it to come to life and you can do it too yeah (laughs) you can you can do it you can do whatever you want and be whoever you want to be
0: (laughs) oh I love that What a great sort of positive note to kind of finish it off. Um (laughs) and how I sort of finish off my podcast is just with a couple of quick fire fun questions. They're just random fun. Um so generally, are you a night in or a night out person?
1: Oh, I'm a binge night outer. (laughs)
0: Uh tea or coffee?
1: Tea. Always tea, Yorkshire tea. (laughs) Yorkshire tea. (laughs) Wellies or heels? Mm, both but not at the yard <laughs> he's not at the yard well he's not out okay
0: sweet or savoury sweet uh book
1: or film oh book yeah definitely a book
0: and is there any books that you would recommend
1: oh i mean there's a whole bookshelf behind me but i won't go through them all <laughs> <laughs> Um, I could pick so many that's too that's too long <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and then lastly where can we find you um like your like tell us your website and your socials
1: yeah so I'm on Facebook and Instagram um you can find my website um in the bios and things like that so the consultancy side of things is Francis Dixon Independent Equine Consultancy on Instagram that's FD Equine consult and then the other side is the poor horse girl on Facebook as well and then on Instagram it's the poor horse girl but with underscores in between so the underscore poor underscore horse underscore girl
0: excellent well thank <laughs> you so much fran for talking to me today it's been so interesting to hear about um thank you so much your, both sides of your business i really really enjoyed it and all like like those money saving tips which are definitely going to help people as well so thank you I so much so. for your time i really appreciate no, thank it you for having- I mean. <laughs> Pleasure. And as always, guys, if you love this episode, please tag Fran and I to know that you're listening. Remember, we've got the competition running this month. So um any reviews that are on the um on the review section on any of the podcast platforms, or if you screenshot and share and do a review on that, that will classified. Into the competition, and I'll speak to you all on the next episode. If you for listened to this episode, I really hope you enjoyed it as I did making it. If you um, like to follow me on socials, my um, Instagram is at Equine Services, and the same on Facebook, at Equine Services. Um, If you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it. If you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people. And I will speak to you all on the next episode.